this morning we are getting now into Ephesus. We talked a little bit about the history of the church in Ephesus last week and, and the disruption that the Holy Spirit causes in life. And so we're going to move on in to kind of look at what that looks like teased out in, in the lives of the people of God. So it's a little thick, uh, this text at the beginning of Ephesians, but bear with me. I, I think you'll, you'll get it. You're smart people, so please stand and uh, hear this, the word of God. Paul, an apostle of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God, our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love, he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed upon all of us, the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he has lavished upon us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure as set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to gather all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth in Christ. We also have obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for his praise and glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward the redemption as God's own people, to his praise and his glory. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, we trust that by your spirit, a word would be revealed to us, the word that we need to hear this morning. So be with us in these moments together and equip us moving forward with your Holy Spirit. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to, to give me an answer out loud. Go ahead and do that. I want to know who you think is the most Famous dog in the world. Lassie. Oh, you're showing your age. Lassie? Okay, okay, Lassie, maybe. Who else? Who else? Scooby-Doo. Okay, there's an age. That, again, who? Snoopy. There's my generation. We're going with Snoopy this morning. Toto. Snoop. Okay. <laughs> Snoop Dogg, Snoopy, Toto, Rin Tin Tin. I didn't hear that one. Anyway, anyway the kids are all wondering what in the world. What about Clifford the Big Red Dog? I mean, you know, yeah, that one, okay, all right. We're going with Snoopy. We're going with Snoopy because I think Snoopy is the classic dog. 
the classic dog who has stood the test of time from way before I was born up until even now. Snoopy's still getting across to this world, making his point. Being important for what he has to say, right? Right, 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 right. Anyway, Snoopy is so human. And I think that probably is why he has stood the test of time. Snoopy is so human, even though he never says anything out loud, he's got a lot on his mind. And Snoopy can be dour and sour and pessimistic and bemoaning his circumstances in one minute and then the very next minute. Snoopy's happy and up and glad to be alive and things are going really well. I mean, Snoopy kind of is that yin and yang of himself. And he's so very like us, I think. He's got it all going on, and Snoopy is a dreamer. I mean, right? Snoopy is a dreamer, the Red Baron. Remember him? Snoopy loves to create in his mind, to be creative, and to imagine that he is the hero of his own story. Snoopy is just so human. I'll tell you, one of my favorite Snoopies is this one. And just watch for a minute. It's the suppertime dance. Here I lie, a withering hollow shell of a dog. And there sits my supper dish, empty. Well, that's all right. It's okay. You'll remember. Tomorrow after school, when no little furry friend comes to greet him, then you'll remember. And he'll rush out here to the doghouse, but it'll be too late. There will be nothing left but the dried carcass of the former friend who used to run and play so happily with him. Nothing left but the bleached bones hey, Snoopy, of the one happy little puppy who... I've been standing here a whole minute with your supper dish. It's supper time. Supper time? Supper time? Behold the brimming bowl of meat and meal, which is brought forth to ease our hunger. Behold the flowing flagon, moist and sweet, which has been sent to slake our thirst. Okay, there's no need for a big production. Just get down off that doghouse and eat. Supper time, yes, it's supper time. Oh, it's sup, sup, supper time, very best time of day. Uh, here I lie, a withering. So, I told y'all last week it's kind of hard to make this leap between dogs and gospel, but we're going to try again today and see what we so snoopy, right? So very human, ups and downs, optimist, pessimist, realist. Snoopy is often reflected. Okay, I'm getting ready to have some problems with my circumstances, so give me a moment. <laughs> Snoopy is so very human, up and down, happy, sad, optimist, pessimist, realist. He's all of these things. But what I want us to look at today is how Snoopy, like so many of us, responds to his circumstances allowing oftentimes the circumstances that come to us from out there affect more of how we understand ourselves 
than God's claim on our lives. Do our circumstances in the world out there, do they create the lens by which we see all of life? Or, as Ephesians suggests, do we let our identity in Christ be the filter, the lens for how we approach all of life? There are two very distinct ways of looking at the world. And Snoopy is the classic to respond to his circumstances. But what about us? How is it that we engage this world around us? So Paul's writing to the Ephesians. He knows that things are, have been going really well, right? I said last week that Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, is a success story. Things are going really well in the church at Ephesus. For not only are people, individuals being converted by the gospel... And not only is the Holy Spirit getting into people's lives and changing their behavior in enormous ways, the power of the Holy Spirit has begun to work through believers to change things around them, giving us that example of how it is that when we are claimed by God, when we experience conversion, the Holy Spirit doesn't go anywhere other than right into our souls so that we can then affect the world around us rather than let the world infiltrate our hearts. It's a completely opposite way of being. And so we have this church of Ephesus. There's, they've been a great success story, but you know what happens when things are going well? The devil gets busy. When things are going well, the devil gets busy and things start to get a little awry and that's what's happening here in Ephesus. Remember, Paul had to flee a riot and get out of town in the cover of night. His life was threatened as believers began to affect things in the community. They were affecting commerce. Watch out! When believers refuse to participate in something that is not holy, it will affect business. Watch out. That'll make people mad. In Ephesus, it was the purchasing and the buying and the selling of, of silver little gods and goddesses for all the temples that were there in the town. So it affected commerce. It made the powers of business angry. And it affected culture and religion. They knew that people were not going to be coming in the ways that they had and, and that business beyond even the goddess worship was going to be changing. And so believers, through their changed heart, began to affect the community around them. And Paul says, this is very holy. And again, rather than to let out there infest our way of looking at the world... We, by the grace of God and for the good of the world, began to radiate God's love and grace outward. And so Paul writes to this church that's shaken things up in their community. And Paul writes to this church that is angering some of the powers that be, and he wants to reassure them that it's going to be all right, regardless what some of those status quo folks want to say and do, regardless of their circumstances. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, you are the people of God, claimed and blessed. 
You are the people of God chosen and adopted. You are the people of God equipped. Your hope does not come from out there. Your hope comes from the Holy Spirit's indwelling in your hearts. And so Paul asks churches for the millennia to consider that this is how God has called us to be in the world today. This message of hope has stood the test of time. Our hope comes from within. Our hope comes through the gospel of Christ. Our hope comes from, as Ephesians says, God's good intentions for this world. I love that. So often we get caught up in nuances or lost in all this language that's in this particular uh, passage. But really what's going on is that we are being told that God has claimed us. God has called us God's own. God has adopted us. We've received the inheritance so that we may be a part of God's good intentions for this world. For when the Holy Spirit claims us... Just as when the Holy Spirit claimed the church long ago, the world changes. And again, if you don't think God's Spirit is capable of changing the world through you or through me, then your expectations, our expectations, are way too low. Way too low. For the witness of the Spirit has stood this test of time when hope comes from within. Circumstances change, for better or for worse. But when hope comes within, when believers focus on that being our identity, then the church stands the test of time. It's going to be chaos out there, but you know what? God does some of his best work in the midst of chaos. Just think of creation. God does some of his best work in the midst of chaos. Just think death and resurrection of Christ. And God does some of his best work in the midst of chaos. Just think how the church spread. Because of what the Spirit did in the hearts of believers and then what believers did in this world around us. Circumstances don't dictate our hope. Rather, our hope when we're at our best, influences the circumstances, not just for us, but for the world around us. We align ourselves with God because God has aligned himself with us. We look for the good intentions of all people because God has looked for the good intentions of all people, or that says Paul. We do not stand for a culture that is divided. We do not stand for a culture that that is racist or sexist or whateverist. We stand for a culture where all people are considered holy and claimed and blessed, even if they don't know it yet. And that's our job. We are those who align with God. We are those who hope comes from within. We are those who have joy, even though we've considered all the facts. Or so says Wendell Berry. I love that line. Be joyful even though you've considered all the facts. Be of good cheer. Be of hope. Not a false pretense. Name it for what it is. And then be part of the solution. 
or at least again that's what Paul is inviting us to do that's the life Paul is inviting us to live that's how Paul asks us believers changed by the power of the Holy Spirit how we are called upon to engage a world that so desperately needs a little hope it's how we are called upon to engage in a world that is in such desperate need of the people of God to be faithful. We are called upon to be the church, the body of Christ. We are called to offer people a new way of looking, even in the most desperate of times. Because the hope comes from within I think it's interesting, over the millennia, people have argued about this text. Who's in and who's out? That's a very human argument. Who's chosen? Who's predestined? That's a very human argument. And what I think is the heart of this message is found in the strong language that Paul gives us about who we are strong language of identity that Paul calls upon us to remember and to be driven by, to be empowered by, to offer an alternative to the world by. Paul uses such language again as blessed. Now that's a big world word. Let's not underestimate the power of blessing we are chosen we are adopted we are redeemed for what life to be part of what God is doing in this world otherwise we could just stay in the grave stay like we are we want to become who God has promised we can be then we follow and understand our identity that's what the text is about it's about identity in Christ we are redeemed we are forgiven and I love this one we are lavished upon isn't that a great word we are lavished upon so that we can lavish God's goodness God's grace God's forgiveness to all who we meet we are lavished upon so that the way that we see the world is a way of hope and a way of blessing and a way, again, that aligns ourselves with a God who wants to make a difference, with a God who will make a difference, and we just get to be a part of it. I heard one preacher say one time, you know, it's not so much that we need to ask God to bless us or to bless even our ministry. What we're called to do is find out what God is already blessing and then be part of it. God is blessing a people of hope and God is blessing a people who will respond to the identity that given through Christ empowered by the Spirit knowing that we are loved sometimes we just need to hear that we're loved in order for our lives to be different in order to be part of what God is doing for this world we are lavished upon obtained marked it's, again strong language powerful language that claims us and asks us to be different, asks us to be part of what God is doing in our lives. Paul is marking territory here. Paul is asking for loyalty here. Paul is giving us a new identity as those called upon to live for Jesus. 
and empowered by the Spirit to do so. So I think one of the things that is so important, we have this strong language of blessed, chosen, adopted, redeemed, lavished upon, great words, great thoughts that give us our identity. But there's more that's going on here. And I think that comes in the second half of the passage because in this, we're told the so what? Why is God doing all of this for us? Why has God chosen to operate this way in the world now? Why has God chosen to bring a people apart so that the world may be different? Why is God asking us to align ourselves with him? So what? What does that mean? What does that look like? How does that then cause us to behave? What's the so what? In verse 12, he says, so that, the so what is a so that, the so that we are claimed, chosen, blessed, beloved, adopted by God, so that we who set our hope in Christ might live for God's glory and praise. There you go. The so that, the so what so that we may live for the praise and glory of Christ. We have received this new identity. We have been claimed and taught. We have been empowered. We have been offered hope. We have been given a new way of looking at the world so that we might live for God's praise and glory. And I said last week that that might look different in different people. We're called to different things. We're gifted in different ways. And the Holy Spirit gets in us and and asks different things of us. Where is the Spirit interrupting or disrupting you? Because that might be the exact place of your call. Sometimes call is simply how the Spirit is leading us, meeting the world's great need offering alternative, being otherwise aligned with God who's aligned with us so that all that we do is for God's glory and praise. So that in our uniqueness, in our ability, in our call to be apart and different so that it doesn't remain that way. The family of God is the biggest family in the world. The most languages, the most colors, the most places of uh, national origin. I mean, God's family's huge. And this hasn't happened by accident. This has happened as God's people have lived into the so what, have been willing to offer their lives, our lives, in praise and in glory of God. It's a powerful witness if we allow our hope to come from God and then to shape everything about our lives. We are called, set apart for God's good intentions in the world, says Paul, so that all may be different. So that we get to be a part of what God wants for this world. It may look different, but I know a few things it's going to look like. How are you treating the least of these? Matthew 25. How are you treating the least of these, the lost, the last, the poor, the hungry, the imprisoned, the immigrant? How are we treating other people? That is a governing 
tenet of our faith straight from Christ, Matthew 25. What about Matthew 12? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's a tall order. Or is it? This world governed by Christ, this world when believers are acting on our hope, this world knows through us that one of the basics of our identity is just treating people decently. Just being loving and caring and benevolent and charitable. Just being towards others how we would like people to be towards us. What are we doing with that hope, with that identity? Matthew, Mark, Luke, Deuteronomy. You shall love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. How are we doing with that? doubt for a minute that there are some overarching things going on for the people of God unique in our calling unique in its expression and yet aligned with hope with gospel with identity when we care for others when we love others when we do for others as we would have them do unto us there are these things and therein lies our hope and therein lies the hope of the world. I believe it to my core. When Christians get it right, when we understand ourselves and the fact that we are changed by the Holy Spirit, and that means we are going to change the world around us, when we get it right, get on board and get part of what God is doing, nothing can be the same in heaven. Help us if we think it can. The world is changed in praise and glory to God, for God, of God, through the power of the Spirit in God's people. If you got a letter from Harrison Church this week, you know that we're getting ready to embark upon a, an, under, an understanding of our future, a collective understanding of who God is calling us to be. We're going to be putting some intentional efforts into listening to the Spirit reading scriptures together, praying together, thinking together, bringing in some outside folks from the conference together to help us look to see what is it that God has in mind for Harrison Church. How is the fact that God has claimed us and that God is our hope and that God has offered us this incredible life, chosen, blessed, lavished upon, how is it that that means we are to respond to the community around us? Harrison, next. Mark your calendars for the last weekend in October when everybody there, that's just a commercial free of charge. Anyway, we're called to be a part of what God is doing. We're going to look to where God is calling Harrison next because the world is before us. And it begins right outside our doors. And we are those claimed and blessed, chosen, adopted, all of that so that we might make a difference for God. I can't wait to see what happens. How it is God is going to lead us as a collective body of Christ. What a joy. What a joy to get to be part of what God wants for this world. Thanks be to God that he thinks he can work through the likes of us. Me. All of you. What a gift. We are claimed. God help us to be faithful. 
Amen. Gracious God, we do thank you for your incredible love for us for your call upon our lives to align with you, to be a part of your good intentions for this world, to do what you would do on behalf of others, to offer our lives as testimony to your good intent for your creation. God, help us. Help us to see ourselves as those called and sent. Help us see ourselves as those empowered to be and to teach that Christ is indeed the hope of the world. May it be so. Amen. We pray God's blessing upon your ministry. So, And now for all of us, may you know that you are claimed by God, beloved, adopted, lavished upon, so that you also know the Spirit gives you the power to go forth and share that good news with others. It's who we are. Children of God, go forward. Amen. Family, I got all my sisters with me.